In the fall each year we all congregate The bound all gathered at the church of Pilgrim The scriptures reading from the book of Monson Our favorite verse, my God, a precious Drunk and obnoxious, what Georgia faith Ain't nothing finer in the land Now the 3,000 of our best friends It's Saturday in that thing Welcome to the Saturday Nations Podcast. I'm your host, Seth Saunders, joined as always by my co-host, James Kim. What's cracking, brother? What's up, man? Lovely, lovely Thursday morning here in Virginia. Just counting down the days till Saturday because we got a lovely slate of college football. Unbelievable slate. I mean, just about as pretty a college football slate as you could want to see. Also, we were talking about it off air. I got a comment on this sweatshirt, brother. That thing is fresh to death. Yeah, home field, man. Home field makes some good stuff. Very, very comfortable. Very, very soft. They do make some good stuff. Highly recommend it. Dude, that's staying a dog. Let's, let's, let's have a philosophical conversation real quick. We're going to talk about football, y'all, I promise. Favorite Georgia logo. If I'm putting you to the screws on this, which one? If you only get one Georgia logo for the rest of your life, which Georgia logo are you rolling with? I'm taking the standing dog. But hands down, that is my favorite. No questions asked. Standing dog. Man, this is tough for me. I like Because, okay, I should have caveated my question. I guess I should say traditional dogs logos. Because I'll tell you something. My favorite dogs logo may be the Georgia golf logo. The actual like standing dog on two legs. Yeah, <laughs> I love that one. Yeah, no, that is a good one too. There's a variation of that one where he's like leaning on the G too, like the block G, which I also like. That is a good one too. I mean, I'm I'm a fan of pretty much anything that's, I, I guess, considered retro for us now. That's kind of from the fifties yeah. and sixties, like so, which is just asinine to me that that's considered you know retro like to me that's just old but you know we are retro now we you and me are retro that's true speaking of being retro have you seen the tiktok where the lady is like somebody told me that that was 20 years ago and in my brain i went oh so 1980 and then i realized it was (laughs) 2000 she was like i I need i need to lay down now (laughs) There is a, um, that's a good one. There's also a good one where a guy is like Gen X and a, and a Gen Z, um, and the guy's, the Gen Z is like, oh, have you seen this new thing, the Tam- uh, Tamagotchi? And the uh, Gen X is like, why do you keep stealing our stuff? And it goes through like three <laughs> other things that they are trying to claim. And it's like calling them the Christopher Columbus generation because they keep thinking they're discovering everything, you know, because it's stuff <laughs> from our generation. And it's like, yeah, is- yeah. So, no, it's it's ridiculous. Oh, I love that. But I am more of a traditional logo fan. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I would take any of them so long as it is not the Nike Bulldog. Yeah, me too. I am – that is just – I'm so opposed to it on so many levels. I just don't like it, man. I've never liked it. It looks – I don't know. I just don't like it. I don't think it looks smooth. I don't think it looks sharp. I just don't – I don't dig it, man. It's not my thing. I own one T-shirt, two actually. I own two, two T-shirts. They have the exact same shirt in two different colors, black and white, that have the Nike dog on it, and it is literally about this big. Yeah. In the top shoulder, and it just it's moan. It, the only reason I got the shirt is because it says 
Georgia football, and inside the Georgia, it has the dog bones. And that's how it spells Georgia, which you don't see anymore. Oh, I like that. That's why I got that shirt, and I love that shirt, but it has the Nike dog on it. This is back from, like, this is a shirt from, like, 2017 when the Nike dog was first coming out, yeah. maybe. I think it was, like, 2016, 2017, so yep. it wasn't as prominent. Now on most of the new stuff, it's just so prominent. It's in your face on everything, and I cannot stand it. I don't, I don't get that either, man. For, like, a school that is so, I feel like, tied to tradition – you know, like not many variations on things and they're real particular about who they license and stuff they they let out of the gate essentially it just surprises me a little bit that they've rolled with it for as long as they have like i almost wonder if it's just one of those things where they've just kind of accepted it but i don't know man they don't i, I will say i don't think they feature it a bunch right like when they're doing their branding and their graphics and stuff you don't see it a ton so I don't think it's something that's embraced. I just, I would love to know what those backroom conversations were with Nike and like how that all materialized. But anyways, that's neither here nor there. We were both uh, gearheads, So that's, um, yeah, well, not yeah. like car guys, but you know what I'm saying? We love, love apparel, apparel, all those type things. So yeah, I have an entire drawer, which I'm sure most Georgia fans are like this. I have an entire drawer in my dresser that is literally just dog stuff. Like everything in the drawer is dog stuff. That doesn't even count the hang-up stuff, which, yeah, anyways, yeah, I, have a, exactly. I have a sickness. I have a sickness. The first step is acknowledging that you have a problem. <laughs> yeah, and, and there is no way that I plan on – I admit that I have a problem, but I am not planning on fixing it anytime soon. Nope, nope. Um, okay, so we're going to let the cat out of the bag a little bit here. But, dude, this number on the dogs game is at 41.5, which – if y'all have not listened to this show, you can just you can just write this in Sharpie right now. What my boy is going to pick once we get to this at the end of the show. I'm just throwing that out there. I I do not like that number. Uh, how about Trent Dilfer this week getting asked about coming to Athens, and he said that it is a, a an SEC game, SEC night game is better than the Super Bowl. I did hear that, and honestly, I. Because a Super Bowl is basically a it's a party where they play a football game. I think the NFC and AFC championship games have a better atmosphere because they're home games than the Super Bowl does. If I was a fan of an NFL team that was going to the Super Bowl, I would rather go to the NFC or AFC championship game, hands down, than go to the Super Bowl. The Super Bowl is just, it's an event. It's, it's more of an experience. It's not... For the fans, it's for celebrities, in my opinion. Yeah, I think that's a great point. All right, so I'm going to give you my perspective. I've been to both. I worked the Super Bowl between the Saints and the Colts in Miami, which, again, I, I guess I reserve a little bit of judgment for Super Bowls because of all the places to do it, that stadium is not, it's not super nice. And so I think that plays into it. But yeah, the juice isn't there, right? It didn't feel like you know, there wasn't like electricity, I would say. Because to your point, man, half the stadium is corporate. It's all celebs and it's a it's an event. It's a, oh, I was there type thing. It's not a it's not diehards and it's not crazy and it's not you know, pulsing all those type things. And dude, that was a good football game. So 
if there was going to be a yeah. game that had good environment, that would have been one. Two great quarterbacks, two Hall of Fame quarterbacks playing in it, all those things. And, dude, an SEC game at night. Now, I've been to – I will say this. I do think opponent matters on that. Like, Georgia, South Carolina at night – different vibe than Georgia Notre Dame at night was right it's just it's different yeah and and I think that's expected for it to be that way but I would 100% agree that the 2019 Georgia uh, Notre Dame game at night especially with the debut of the red lights oh dude I would have paid way more for that ticket than I would have the Super Bowl ticket so now also you and I are both, I think, reformed NFL fans, so that may change the answer a little bit. Like, dude, if this was 10-year-old Seth and James having this conversation, we might have oh, yeah. different answers. I'm just saying that. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like, 10-year-old, 10-year-old James going to see the Cowboys play in the Super Bowl or 10-year-old Seth going to see the Redskins play in the Super Bowl, very different answers probably. <laughs> very different answers. Very, very, very different answers. Would have loved to go on to, you know – Pasadena. Although one of those could have been a reality and one of those was a hey. fantasy. You could have seen the Cowboys <laughs> in your youth. <laughs> you could have seen the skins in 91. That's so true. So could have you. You yeah. probably wouldn't have remembered it. But <laughs> I do remember watching that Super Bowl, though. You know what's so. funny? Things you remember when you were a kid. Dude, like, I loved the skins. Like, love, love, loved them. And um, that 91 team, man, I was all in on, you know? And uh, my dad had taken me to a couple games, like at our old RFK, and I remember being so irritated because him and my mom went to a Super Bowl party for the first half, and I was like, I can't believe this. I can't believe you're abandoning me to go to a party with all these grown folks, and you're not going to watch the game. Man, I was so salty. If as salty as a seven-year-old could be, that's how salty I was. (laughs) Obviously, I'm still holding on to it. I'm almost 40. I still have that memory. So, yeah. So, yeah, but my answer may be different if I was, like, pot committed to the NFL. So, obviously, that plays a part in it. But I just thought that was quite the statement. Also, I know they are having a tough year so far. And I know that the dogs are expected to wipe the floor with them. But I really like that hire for UAB. Man, I like Trent Dilfer. I liked him when he was a quarterback with the Ravens. I thought he's a super big – I know that defense is the story of that team, that Super Bowl winning team. But, dude, Trent Dilfer, he got something, man. And, like, he loves football and knows football. I just – I root for them. I hope they do well. Also, can we talk about this? I know there's a story behind this. How, how did UAB – I know they're the Blazers – but then that turns into the dragon as their mascot. <laughs> like, I just, I need to know I the have full story. No on that. idea. Yeah, I need the full story on that, real bad. And like, are they the Trailblazers or just the Blazers? Like, I'm, I'm very confused on all that. I think they're just the Blazers, and I don't know if there was some variation of when they went away and came back. If it changed. Um, as yeah. well, because you know they were gone for a couple years, so I think there might have been some sort of change. I know the dragon's always been there, but I think that there maybe may have been some sort of change with the the branding when they came back. And and look, it's probably jumped the shark because of the timing. But if you're their social team, how is every single graphic not like Game of Thrones related? <laughs> 
That is true. Like, that talk about true. the perfect setup. Also, also, dude, they always have clean unis, brother. Yeah, like, they do. Fresh. Like, when they go all whites with dragon on the helmet, super fresh. Yeah, they do. They do. They really do. And, I mean, it's kind of – I know they're having a down year, but they've always been very, very competitive and, you know, won the, their conference for several years in a row. So I'm not yeah. sure if they – they. I know there was a big tiff this offseason about how Dilfer said, come for my players and see what happens. So I'm not sure if they got gutted by the transfer portal or what. I really didn't pay much attention to them this offseason other than that one time that Dilfer made us think in the, the press about it. But – um, I'm not sure if they just had a massive roster overhaul or what, but they're really struggling to start the year. Don't you feel like geographically that you could recruit there, right? Like if you recruit Alabama, the panhandle of Florida, and pull some kids from South Georgia, dude, you could hit and have a good roster every once in a while. So like yeah. they're in a great spot, I feel like location-wise. Birmingham's a cool city now, so – like yeah. it wouldn't be a bad place to recruit and like try to build a program. The problem is just keeping the kids now with NIL. That's the problem. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Um, okay, I told you guys we'd talk about football. It only took us 13 minutes to get here. <laughs> um, so, little bit of bad news this week. Marius Mims got the ankle injury, going to have tightrope surgery. They're saying four to six weeks. I would guess that's going to be more on the six-week timeline just because when you're talking about a fella of that size with an ankle, I would have to think it's going to be at least that six-week time period, which what? Would that put us right around the cocktail party? Or are we past the cocktail party with a six-week point? I guess we're past that. Six weeks would put us right at the cocktail party from Saturday. <clears throat> so, but not, I don't know when the surgery is. So that's we're probably past the cocktail party with the surgery. Let's run some projections here. They're going to stick still with Ernest Green at left, left tackle. You bump out trust to right tackle, which is yeah. the alignment they had last weekend. You go Tate at right guard still, yeah. SVP still at center, obviously. And then what? Dylan Fairchild running at left guard? Seems like what they like. That's my guess um, until Blasky comes back. And then – because I mean, you got to remember in offseason, it was Green and Blasky were in a – Dog fight for the left tackle spot, and then Blasky got hurt. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I, there was never a clear leader there, and I really think that the plan was in this first month to get them both live reps and see who had the better, um, and who gelled better yeah. with the line. So I'm not a hundred percent sure if Blasky comes back healthy and up to speed who they want at left tackle because green has been really good in run blocking and he's good in non obvious passing downs, but in obvious third and long passing downs, he has struggled. And I don't know if it's, he just struggles because of quickness or what, or it's because he just, I'm not sure what it is or if it's confidence or experience. I mean, he is, I think he's only what a true sophomore, right? So I mean, he is young. Yeah. He's young. But yeah, he's, he's just he's just and it's only his third game, so I mean he's got time to develop, but it's just he struggled to start the season in obvious passing downs. But we'll see what happens with that. But I think that'll be the lineup we see on Saturday. But once Blasky comes back, who knows what the lineup will look like. 
Well, let's have an honest conversation too, which I feel like hasn't really gotten brought up. How spoiled have we been with left tackles? Yeah. Especially under Kirby. I mean, so I think, you know, I I try to give him some grace on that too. Like, look, everybody's not going to be Andrew Thomas. Like, everybody's not going to just be all world when they step in. And it's just been one after another. So we just been lucky, man. And, and, and lucky's probably the wrong word. They develop and they recruit, but you know what I'm saying, man, they keep hitting. And so try to give Ernest some, some grace on that. Yeah. Kirby comes out this week and says it's Ron Corson told him it was the longest injury list since Kirby's been there, which is not, not, uh, not the best. Yeah. That's not what you want to hear three weeks into the season. Yeah, man. I know we keep talking about it, but gosh, I just, I hope the health is a little better before we head on down to the Plains next weekend. I just think that is a spicy little game just because of the location. Although they've got a matchup this weekend with A&M that I think is interesting. I think Auburn's problem is offense. And so that's not A&M's problem. And so I just think that's, that's going to be a bit of an interesting matchup, which obviously we'll talk about. Um, all right, let's talk about SEC inside. Dude, they're like my favorite. I yeah. had totally forgotten that they were going to be in Athens this weekend. Because sometimes, man, they'll coordinate it with wherever they go for SEC Nation. And this week they did it, I guess, because it was the game of the week on CBS, which I'm so fired up they did. But uh, it was a good one, I thought. I thought that last 10-minute segment, so that third segment of the show, was obviously outstanding. You get to see Kirby's actual halftime speech, which I thought was really cool. Did you did you hear that? I think it was Jacob Hardy on a podcast with Makai Muse said that they had asked originally. This was before SEC Inside came out. They had asked like, "Hey, did Kirby just like lay y'all out, or was he just on one when he came in for the halftime?" You're like, no, man, actually, wasn't. Apparently, sports psychologists who I think UGA sports psychologist is Drew Bannon, who also has a podcast, who they did an interview with Kirby in the summer that was really good. Uh, Drew Bannon told him, hey, man, I don't think you need to, like, let it rip on them. They, they're good. Just, just go in and tell them to, like, one moment, like, one minute at a time. We'll get this back. And so that's why he was kind of, like, reserved. And so when I heard Jacob Hardy's interview, I kind of expected it to be a little more low-key. But Kirby, as Kirby does, yes, it was low-key for Kirby. But, boy, didn't you still want to run through an absolute wall after yeah. that whole thing was done? Like, homie, when he's going around asking each individual player, like, the different questions and all this stuff, I don't know, man. Like, you just – it's so stinking obvious why guys want to play for him. Like, he's just outstanding. And I also – I'm going to bring this up. I put it on our socials last night. Brother, in another life, our boy Kirby could have been doing Hurricane Ronas off the top rope and possibly been the WWE champion. Like, (laughs) our boy cuts a promo – like, nobody out there cuts a promo. Like, outstanding, right? I mean, some, I mean, did you see his – I thought this was a cool thing too. Did you see the little cut-in to his sheet where he had, like, little one-line notes about what he was going to say? Mm, I miss that. So, dude, he had, like, he had, like, little, like, two words, right? Like, one moment. That's what he wrote. And then it's just – the whole speech is just off the one moment. So, dude, he's riffing that. Like – that's what I'm saying. He's just cutting a promo. That's all he's doing. I mean, he oh, is just putting him up there on the Mount Rushmore with, with, with Nate and the American Dream and the People's Champ and then Kirby Paul Smart. <laughs> just <laughs> cutting promos. Oh, that's great. 
Yeah, dude. I just, it was awesome. The other thing too is essentially it was a 30 minute commercial for Georgia football. Like if you are an outstanding college football player nationwide, this is where you want to be. And so, yeah, man, it's just, we haven't said this in a while, so I'm going to say it. Everybody do not take this for granted. Like breathe this all in. The good old days of Georgia football are right damn now. All the hand wringing about how it looks when they win. All this mess, right? 20 straight wins. 20 straight wins. Kirby fixing to get his 100th win on Is that right? 100? No way. Or no. 86 win? 86 win in 100 games. His first 100 games. 100. 86 win in 100 games. Like, process that. 86 wins in 100 games. Dude, I, I don't know, man. I just, we have it so, so good. And I just feel like because it's been so, so good, people are like disgusted that we have to eat caviar. Oh, I don't want that. <laughs> like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> I just, yeah, we've gotten crazy, man. Like, it's, it's so, so good how everything is right now. And it's not going anywhere. Like, the roster is just going to keep filling up. He's going to keep eating. The coaching staff is outstanding. It's just, man, we got it so, so good. And, like, yeah, it's just good living. Like, and I say that not because I'm trying to be preachy. I kind of say it for a reminder for you and me too, right? Yeah. Because I fall into it. Saturday in the first half, I was in my brain thinking about, like, oh, God, I can't believe we look like this. And it's like, you're an idiot. Just enjoy this. Like, just enjoy this. The team that you love is number one, has been number one, back-to-back national champs, hadn't lost in two calendar years. Like, I mean, just breathe it in, man. And that's what I'm saying. Even, even we lose sight of it, and we're the ones talking about it. So, like, yeah, just don't miss this. It's, it's stinking awesome. So, night game Saturday, that's freaking cool. I feel like two in one year, that's got to be some kind of a record for us, which is a shame. <laughs> so we may not get one for the next four years after this. Might not. <laughs> I mean, we say that in jest, but we might not. Although I am fired up for the lights, man. It's going to be cool because the, the whole game will be at night, essentially, because I think the way things are working out now, it's 730. Sun should be almost all the way down. So, yeah, dude, I think it's yeah. going to I mean, be a cool atmosphere. Here, so. Yeah, yeah, same. Um, anything I'm missing on the dogs? I mean, like I said, it's the, the point spread is what it is. It kind of, kind of says what the matchup is this week, which is, it just ain't, it ain't much. Okay. This is a, this is a tune up to go down to the plains for not just the first road game of the year, but the first SEC road game of the year and one of our biggest rivals. So deep South's oldest rivalry on the plains, you know, to end the month of September, this is a tune up. The only thing this is this is dogs adjacent. The only thing is, is we have to give our best and wish well for Nick Chubb for that gruesome injury he suffered on Monday Night Football. That was it is in the top three of worst injuries I've ever seen, and Nick Chubb has had two of them. So um, the other one being another former dog in Musa Smith, which most people probably don't remember, happened in two thousand three against Dallas when he played for uh, Baltimore. Those are the three worst injuries I've ever seen, and I just wish him a speedy recovery and hope he um, – I just hope he recovers and can have a normal life. He can come back and play football. Great. Um, that was just 
it was awful. Um, if anyone who was watching the game, you could audibly hear the Pittsburgh fans gasp when they saw the replay. They didn't show show the replay on TV, but you could audibly hear the fans gasp in the stadium. The Pittsburgh fans are very classy. Gave him a standing ovation um, when he was carted off the field. I mean, that just shows you that was that was a really that was a tough one. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. And and same, you know, Kirby said it in his press conference this week that if anybody's going to come back from it, it's Nick Chubb. And I think the outpouring of well wishes all over the internet from players and coaches and all those type things, I think speaks for itself with how people feel about Nick. And so, yeah, man, if anybody's going to do it, it's going to be him. I I did not watch it. I will not watch it. Um, I do not want to see it. I've heard tangentially enough about it to know that I don't want to see it. Um, it was bad enough where the broadcast did not show a replay. So that tells me about all I need to know about it. Um, but yeah, man, it, you know what stinks about it too is the way his contract is set up. They can cut him at the end of the year and save like $12 million on the cap. And uh, no guaranteed money, I don't think, for the way his contract sets up, which – Boy, it just ticks you off. Dude, he was having a good game, was going to have a monster season. Like, it's just, ugh. I don't know why things like that have to happen to good people. Like, I mean, I don't want it to happen to anybody, but it, it like, makes it worse when it's somebody who's, like, really, really good people. And by all accounts, Nick is the best. So I just, yeah, I hate it, man. And, yeah, so we cover him up in prayer and all the strength he can have to get back and, and play again, man. Because like I said, if anybody's going to do it, it's going to be him. So, yeah. Uh, all right. Well, look, brother, this slate of games, if you can't get excited for this, you might need to go see the doctor because something's going on with you. You ain't, you ain't breathing right. I mean, this thing is crazy, dude. Unbelievable slate of games. So let's do some picking, man. First one is the noon kick. And apparently I was reading some story – this was on the option for the networks to take at like seven thirty, eight o'clock. And they're like, nope, we'll just have it at noon. Not even going to try to compete with Ohio State and Notre Dame. <laughs> like, we're not even going to have that conversation. So, yeah, dude, FSU going to Death Valley. Well, the, the other Death Valley. I, Death Valley is LSU. Let's just put that out there. I don't mean no yes. harm to y'all Clemson fans, but Death Valley is LSU. So this is the other Death Valley. Um, FSU, two and a half point. Road favorite. Obviously struggled a little bit in Chestnut Hill. We talked about that on the recap show. A lot of variables in that. Um, Clemson, man, I, I don't know. I don't know. Who are they? I think Duke is probably the best indication of who they are because as this first quarter of the season has gone past, brother, Duke might be real. I mean, Riley Leonard's still playing good ball. Mike Elko got them boys playing. And so if that was an actual test and that's how Clemson looked – doesn't make me feel real great about how Clemson's going to look on Saturday. But they're at home. It's a noon game, which I feel like is always a little bit of a disadvantage to, um, I don't know, I feel like both teams. I hate a noon start, but that's all another conversation. I mean, what's your thoughts on this one? Where are you, where are you feeling this? I think that this game is going to – I think FSU wins. I think FSU covers. I think it's going to come out uh, – both teams are going to come out flat – I think it's going to be a very sleepy first quarter. I think that Clemson's probably going to lead at the half. 
And I think in the second half, FSU is going to come out like they did against LSU and just dominate and run away with it. Um, I, they're just FSU's better than Clemson. They just are. And if they don't win this game and they don't win it convincingly, I'm not sure it'll be because of Clemson. It'll be because of mistakes FSU made. But I'm going with the Knowles uh, to win and cover by a lot. I would take this probably, even on the road, I would probably take this at a six and a half point spread. I love the Knowles in this, man. I just don't think Clemson has the offensive firepower to compete with them. And maybe I'm wrong about that. I just, I don't see it, man. I don't see the edge weapons for Clemson. I think Will Shipley is a great, great player, but I don't think he's that dynamic game changer that they need. Um, Jury's still out for me on Cade Klubnik. I just think, man, Florida State got a lot of weapons. Florida State can play ball on defense too. That, That roster looks more like the Florida State that we grew up with than it has in a while. I just like how they're composed, man. The other thing is I feel like that BC game is the worst thing that could have happened for Clemson because if you're FSU now, you're kind of on guard, you know. They may have been looking ahead a little bit to this week's game, all these different things. Well, they're locked in now, and they had a full week of film session where I'm sure they got laid out for almost dropping the ball in Chestnut Hill. So, yeah, man, I I think all signs point to – FSU carrying today and Chief Osceola living it up, baby. I don't know. You know, they do um, – FSU does something called side games. So if it's a side game, after the game, if they win it, they rip up a piece of sod from the opposing uh, team stadium. They take it back to Tallahassee, and they have a graveyard at – in Tallahassee where they bury the different sides from the different stadiums and market, which I love. I haven't looked to see if this is a side game, but I'll have to check. I'd have to imagine it is road game opponent that has gotten the best of them for the better part of a decade. Now I just think this kind of sets up for that. I'll have to check that. But yeah, if it's a side game, then I am absolutely would bet real money on the Knolls. So yeah, that's, that's where I think we're sitting on that. All right. Next one on docket, another noon kick. War Eagle heading to College Station to play Texas A&M. A&M is a seven and a half point home favorite. Where you at on this? I mean, I think if we're looking offense versus offense, I think this is probably an easy pick. But who knows, right? So where you at on this? Uh, honestly, when I looked at the slate, this is one of the hardest ones to pick. If this was six and a half. I'm taking A&M all day. I'm I'm still going to take A&M, but I am not as confident at the 7.5. Mainly because A&M's defense is so bad. And I'm not saying all... It, it's like worst versus worst, best versus best in this game. Mm-hmm. Their, their offense is just... Auburn's offense is not good. And I told you this when we were talking about the Cal... Um, we were talking about the Cal-Auburn game. Peyton Thorne, I just don't think he's fit what Freeze wants to do in offense. Agreed. So he's he's just not that style of quarterback that he wants a more mobile quarterback. And I don't see Auburn being able to put up enough to keep up with them. Um, if this was on the Plains, I think Auburn covers. But with it being at, at uh, a and I, I don't see them being able to keep up. I'm with you, man. The number's funky, right? I don't love a seven and a half number just because then we're getting into two score territory here. 
But I just I just think AM's got too much offense, man. I think they have a better quarterback situation, which if I'm gonna weigh a scale one way or the other, I'm always gonna weigh it that way. Um, dude, I think Wegman can play. The other thing is Bobby Petrino can call an offense, right? And they've had no issues scoring points. It's just to your point, that defense can't stop a nosebleed. And so that's going to be a problem for AM. I just don't think Auburn is the one to exploit that. If you look at the game they lost against Miami, Tyler Van Dyke can sling it, man. He's a player. And Miami's got talent. So I think it's a it's a different set of variables. Whereas with Auburn, their offense has not looked great. And their one road game they played, and granted, it was a West Coast game and all those things, but dude, it was against Cal, and they put up what, 14 points? Like Oh man, that, that that don't make me feel great. So, yeah, I, I'm taking the Aggies too. I think it's a it's a fun day in College Station for the for the Aggie faithful. All right, man. This next game, this pro, this has turned into, I think, from a height perspective, the real game of the week. I think everybody and their mama thought it was going to be Ohio State Notre Dame, but with the way the season has unfolded, Colorado going to Eugene to play Oregon. So many storylines, right? Whether it's Dan Lanning's comments about uh, Colorado leaving the Pac-12 to go to the Big 12 and what contributions have they made to the Pac-12? Have they ever won anything? Which, to be fair, is spot on, right? I mean, they haven't won a darn thing in the Pac-12, so I don't think there's anything wrong with making those comments. But then obviously with Colorado's ascent from a notoriety perspective this year and everything they've done, I do think it is very important that Travis Hunter is not going to play in this football game out three weeks at least with a liver laceration. Also, dude, when you read liver laceration, like you read some injuries and you go, oh, yeah, that probably hurt. I read liver laceration. I'm like, I mean, that feels like something you're supposed to be in a hospital for. right? (laughs) uh, Dude, that did not sound like an injury I wanted to deal with. So, yeah, not great. Here's the thing that surprised me a little bit. Dude, Oregon is a 20-and-a-half-point favorite in this ballgame. So, I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, is Travis Hunter that important? I don't know. That, that, seems, that seems big, given what we've seen, I think, culturally and athlete-wise from the Colorado program thus far. What do you think? Well, we've, when we talked about it, we've talked about Colorado a lot, and I've said I wanted to see what Colorado was going to do when they played a team that had an offense and a defense. Mm-hmm. And we kind of saw that last week against Colorado State. Colorado State pretty much kept them in check um, once Hunter went out for 54 minutes um, of that game. Because remember, one of their scores was a pick six in the first quarter. Mm -hmm. So they had the one drive in the first quarter and then really did nothing until the last six minutes of the game where they scored, uh, I think, 14 points to tie it up. So it's one of those things that's like, all right, now they're good. And then they scored in overtime. That's a different story. But I'm talking about in the right in the in the regulation. It's a different story going to Autzen and having to deal with that crowd and going against a Dan Laning defense, hostile environment. I'm just not sure if not that they not that they're not mature enough to do that, but if they have the weapons to do that without Travis Hunter. And the fact that they're probably gonna be able to play, have be playing catch up the majority of this game because their defense is not as good, and we've talked about 
all see all season when we've been talking about them, their lines are not as good. They're gonna Dan Laney's team is gonna dominate the line of scrimmage in this game. There's yep. no question about that. They, I'm not sure if they're going to try to do a, con, a ball control game and keep the ball away from the Shador in the offense or what their plan is going to be, but their offensive and defensive line is just better. It just is. The spread is a lot. I think that this is going to be a game where Oregon's going to win it, pr- win it pretty handedly, but I see Colorado probably doing a backdoor cover. That's my opinion on this. I'm going to take Colorado on the points. Not very confident in it, but I could see a backdoor cover on this. I don't know what to do on this, man. I've gone back and forth on this. This is one of those things, too, where if Oregon gets up early and kind of blitzes them a little bit, this is a, I think this is a litmus test for Colorado. Because to your point, they are facing a complete football team this week. And they are facing a team that has a very legitimate chance, in my opinion, to win the Pac-12. You have a very experienced quarterback. You've got a defense that has depth. Dude, Oregon's real. And so, and to your point, man, they're playing at Alton in Eugene. That place is going to be crazy. I do think it's a, a more interesting variable that it's a 12:30 kick local, right? Like, I think it's also yeah, a different weird. conversation if it was a night kick in Eugene, but... Still, man, this is the number is what makes it interesting, right? Because I'm with you. I think Oregon wins the football game, and I'm not questioning that. Okay, I, I I think the Ducks will win the game. I just think they're better, but the number's a little funky, right? And this is one of those things where the way Colorado runs their offense, they're gonna score some points, and I also think they're gonna spread Oregon out more than Oregon has been spread out thus far this year. So I think I'm with you, man. I'm going to take Colorado to cover, but I, I do not feel great about it. I would not bet real money on this. I, I just, oh, no, I, I'm not touching this one. Yeah, I, I don't love it at all. Um, I, I also think people have kind of conflated this with the opener, right, where they're a 20-and-a-half-point road dog at TCU. It, it ain't apples to apples, okay? This is a different conversation. It's a different roster. So – yeah, man, I, I'm going to take Colorado to cover, but I'm with you. I think it's one of these things where we're kind of going to be nail-biting the cover at the end, and they're going to need a late score to bust the number for Oregon. So, yeah, I, I'm with you on that. I think the Ducks win, but but the Buffs cover. All right, this next one is a matchup. I don't feel like anybody's talking about this weekend. Dude, it's a big matchup conference-wise. UCLA undefeated, going to Utah, who's undefeated. Utah four-and-a-half-point home favorite. I believe, if I read correctly, Cam Rising coming back this week, right? That's what I heard, but I mean, there was talk he was going to play against Florida, so who fair. knows? That's fair. Yeah, that's <laughs> fair. 100% fair. But, dude, UCLA still very, I think, unsettled at quarterback. Um, yeah, man, I don't know. I, this is this is a tough game for me to feel out, too. I do love the home field advantage for Utah, but four and a half points. What, what do you think on that? I am so conflicted on this game because you know I love Utah. But let's say Rising does play. He's going to be rusty. Mm-hmm. He hasn't played in, what, nine months? Ten months? Nine months. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he's going to be rusty. And he's coming off an ACL. So he's going to be not – can he be Cam Rising? Or is he going to be more of just a pocket pr- passer? Can he be how he normally plays? Like we just don't know exactly what we're going to get with that. Yeah. 
Ugh, I love the home field advantage. I love Utah's defense. I love the fact that their UCLA is not settled at quarterback. And damn it, I'm talking myself into taking Utah, even though I had UCLA written down here. I'm gonna go with the Utes, even though I'm not. I I, I had I did have UCLA written down here, but I'm gonna go with the Utes because I just I love Utah's defense. That's that's my reason. I'm gonna have to go with the Utah's defense to smother UCLA's offense and the Utes to cover at home. You know I hate a quarterback rotation. I hate it, hate it, hate it. Yeah, I just do not like it. I I love Chip Kelly. I love what he's doing at UCLA, but boy, do I loathe the rotation. So. Yeah, man, I'm taking Utah with the home field, with having a set plan at quarterback. Dude, Kyle Whittingham is probably one of the most underrated coaches in all of college football. So I think the running Utes uh, take the day um, on Saturday. So, yeah, I like them. That four and a half is – I don't love that number. I would like it a whole lot better at two and a half. (laughs) But, um, yeah, yeah, uh, I'm going to take the Utes. Okay, the next game is (laughs) – uh, always spicy because you got Lane Kiffin and Nick Saban involved, but Ole yeah. Miss is going to Tuscaloosa to play the Tide. Alabama is a six and a half point home favorite. Six and a half points. I have thoughts on this, but I'm gonna let you go first. I don't understand this line at all. I don't understand this line. Forget forget Milrow coming back and playing quarterback. Just take that out of the equation for a second. What last week that Alabama did from a line perspective, from the offensive line and defensive line perspective, makes you think that this team should be favored by six and a half points over Ole Miss, who for all intents and purposes, first of all, is one of only like 11 teams to cover every spread this season, just so you know. Um From their line perspective, what makes you think that this team should be favored by six and a half points? I don't I don't get it. I'm not saying that Ole Miss's D-line or offensive line is like top five in the country or anything, but everyone is getting pressure against Alabama's offensive line. It doesn't matter who's quarterback. I don't understand. I do not understand this line. So basically they're saying that on a neutral field, Alabama would be favored by three and a half points because you give three points for the home field. That's Vegas's MO usually. I'm not sure they should be favored by three and a half points on a neutral field. I think it should be three and a half points the other way. I think this should be a point. I think this should be a point five spread for being at home. That's what I think this should be. So I I mean I obviously based off all this, I'm going Ole Miss. So I I don't understand the spread. I'm not sure if Ole Miss wins this game. I think this is going to be a dogfight because Kiffin gets in his way every time he plays Saban. So if Saban does not get in his way, Ole Miss wins this game. If Ole Miss just takes the points when they have them, Ole Miss wins this game. I know there's a question of whether um, Junkins is going to play because he was hurt last week. I'm I'm not concerned about that. Because of because of Alabama's offensive line, unless Alabama's offensive line improves immensely from last week to this week, Alabama's going to lose this game. This is probably going to be one of my key picks in our pool this week. I just this seems like such a slam dunk. I will say though, big time, big time, big time asterisks on that is what you said about Lane Kiffin. Lane Kiffin could single handedly torpedo this game for Ole Miss if he does what he has done in the past, which is like almost feels like he 
I don't know, man. He's just so on tilt because it's Coach Saban that he gets outside his mind and he can't do what he should do. To your point, like, dude, just take the points. Like, don't go for it on fourth and one at your own 37 in the first quarter. Like, don't do all this crazy stuff. Just run the offense, follow the game plan, let your team do what it does. I mean, dude, I think they, they should win the game straight up. Alabama's got all these questions. Dude, it's very clear Tommy Reese is not sold on Jalen Milrow, which I don't understand. Because if you've seen all three of those quarterbacks play, they got one quarterback on that roster, and it's Jalen Milrow. <laughs> so Tommy Reese figured out, dude, get pliable. Run an offense that is based around Jalen Milrow. Like, he's got plenty of talent and plenty of electricity to win ball games for them. Figure it out. But I don't really have faith that they're going to do that. And so the other piece of this that I feel like we just haven't really talked about a ton, Alabama doesn't have the other guys, right, to cover up the blemishes at quarterback. Somebody wrote an article this week, maybe it was ESPN, and I was like, have y'all forgotten? They were like, how did Alabama get so thin at quarterback? Or how did and – and the premise of the article was essentially that Nick Saban has always had these blue-chip, can't-miss quarterbacks. And it's like, hold on, time out, all right? If it wasn't Tua, Jalen, and Bryce, let's have an actual conversation about who the quarterbacks have been, okay? Greg McElroy, A.J. McCarron, Phillip Sims – or Blake Sims, uh, dude, their quarterbacks have been marginal, okay? Like, it's not like we had guys that are walking into any other program in America and winning. The difference was the other 21 guys on the field are going to play in the NFL. Homie, it ain't that way now. Like, that's the actual problem that nobody's talking about, is that the rest of the roster – can't cover up the blemish that they have at quarterback. That's the difference now. And why I think the narrative got lost was, oh, by the way, when Bryce and Tua and Jalen were there, they also had those other guys, right? I mean, dude, Devontae Smith won a freaking Heisman. Yeah. So they still had dudes at all these positions. It, it ain't that now. And so that's the real issue for me. I just think roster-wise, Ole Miss can compete. So – yeah, I, that's a very long-winded way of saying I am taking Ole Miss as well. Um, and I hope, as you hope, that Lane Kiffin doesn't torpedo us because <laughs> that could happen. Yeah. yeah. All right. Next one is, I just think, a fun matchup, man. And obviously, if you listen to the show, you know we're always going to have KU on the docket if they're, if they're in the conversation because of my family ties. But – BYU coming off a big win against Sam, Sam Pittman's Razorbacks, heading to Lawrence to play Rock Chalk Jayhawk. Dude, KU's an eight-and-a-half-point home favorite. Eight-and-a-half points. I mean, look, I know, that, I know they got the preseason Big 12 player of the year, and he is electric. But, homie, eight-and-a-half points seems like a lot, right? I was shocked at this number as well. And this will probably be our first point of divergence in this because I, I love KU. I love what they they've done. I you know I am a Jayhawk fan. You know, divergent bipartisan of your family ties to them. So I always root for them. Um, 
But I and I they probably will win this game. But BYU really impressed me last week, and they were able to pretty much just move. You know, I mean, they were down early, and then they pretty much just dollywop the Razorbacks the rest of the game. And I, what would they outscore them like thirty-one to seven the rest of the game after they were down big or something like that? It was something ridiculous. And um, I think that I think that they cover this. I don't think that it's. It might be a backdoor cover. I'm not sure. But I think that eight and a half, you know, it's a big number even at home um, for KU. Uh, I think KU wins the game, but I think BYU covers this. I love the Cougars in this game. Love them. <laughs> I love this oh, number. Wow. All right. I, I'm probably going to bite my tongue on this. And the family's going to bust my chops about it. But they love it. I love this number, okay? You go in and play Arkansas in a – and I mean no disrespect to Rock Chalk Jayhawk fans, but a much more difficult road environment. And you do what you did against Arkansas. I don't have as much trepidation about them going to the booth and performing. I just don't, right? I mean, KU is a basketball school. They've been a basketball school. They will always be a basketball school. The booth is not – it's just not yet anyways. It's not going to be an intimidating home environment. So I don't – dude, I think KU wins a football game, okay, because I think they have the best player on the field in Jalen Daniels. But I think BYU is a good enough football team to cover this number. So it's the number, dude, eight and a half. I feel great about it. I think BYU covers that. I mean, look, there is the variable of it's back-to-back weeks. you got to go to an, a hostile environment, make a road trip, all those things. I get all that. But, yeah, I like BYU in this. So that's maybe that's my surprise pick of the week. <laughs> but yeah, it's the no number, kidding. man. I think it's a good number. Okay, speaking of Sam Pittman's Razorbacks, battle for the golden boot this weekend, brother, which just seems weird for the battle for the golden boot to be in September. I mean, homie, that is a Thanksgiving week matchup, if there ever was one. Yeah. So I, I don't love that it's this week, but they got to go to the real Death Valley. And the Bayou Bengals are 17 and a half point home favorites. I don't think either one of us debates who's going to win the football game, but this is a fun little point spread, brother. So where are you feeling this? I think that there's a little overreaction with the point spread um, based off of how LSU looked last week and Mm -hmm. how Arkansas looked last week, but I think it's completely justified. We were taught, would we talk going into last week that Arkansas very well could be two and six after eight yeah. games this year? Uh-huh. Yeah. And that Pittman, I mean, they're calling for Pittman's head now. Like the fans want him gone. The uh, boosters want him gone. The alum, I mean, they, they want him gone. And they don't realize w- what they have in Pittman, which is just a shame. So um, it, it's, it's going to be tough to win in Fayetteville. It just is. So they're going to – I think LSU wins. I think LSU wins this handedly. I just don't – unless LSU comes out and is just so overconfident like they were last year against um, Arkansas and just laid an absolute egg and what was it like? I don't know. They kicked like three field goals in the first half or something um, and struggled to win that game. I, I think LSU – I hate to say it, but I think LSU blows them out. Yeah, this is tough, man. I mean, it's, look, it's a night game in Death Valley, okay? It's, uh, yeah, it's, that, that's a variable that has to be considered. The other problem is LSU found their player last week. 
they they remembered that Malik Neighbors is one of the best players in the United States of America. And I think when you have now the two wideouts that they have with Jaden Daniels, I think it really opens things up offensively for them. Now, I do not love the number. I don't love it because it's a rivalry game. I don't love it because of what happened last year when they were supposed to dump truck Arkansas and they didn't. I think it being on their home field evens things a little bit, but this is one of those weeks where they got to come back to back weeks now and kind of put a flag in the ground and say, this is who we are. We're real and we're in this conversation. I don't know if we've seen that yet. Okay. So Here's where I'm at with it. I think LSU wins the game. I think LSU wins the game by two scores. I don't like them by 17 and a half. So I am going to stick with Sam Pittman, and we are going to play the damn jukebox on a cover <laughs> of 17 and a half. How about that? Hey, that works. Yeah. I'm rooting for them. I, I, I hope they win. I mean, I hope they pull off the upset. I, I'm rooting for Arkansas. All right, man, next one, another fun matchup. You got the Beavers, Oregon State, headed to Pullman to play the Cougs. Washington State, dude, Oregon State, a two-and-a-half-point road favorite. DJU got the boys cooking in Corvallis. And, dude, Washington State playing good football this year. So I think this is a, another fun Pac-12 matchup. Dude, Pac-12 been a lot of fun this year. Let's give credit where credit's due. So and this is another one, another rank-on-rank matchup. Who are you liking this one? I love this game. This might be my favorite matchup of the week um, because it is straight offense versus straight defense. I hope I can stay awake for this one. I really do. I, I honestly have no clue. Like, I, There's no analysis here. This is a straight gut pick. This is a straight gut pick. And I'm going with, I'm going with Washington State. I'm going with the home team. I, there is no, absolutely no analysis here. I'm going with the home team. Oh, man. It's tough. Dude, Pullman, really tough place to play. Washington State got great fans. Um, had a good buddy in law school that went to Washington State, so I always kind of have a heart pick for the Cougs. Uh, but I don't know, man. There's something about this Oregon State team. I think I told you in our, in our like preview episodes back in August that they are one of the compelling teams for me this year just because yeah. they were bringing stuff back. They had a really good year last year. Big difference between last year and this year. They got a quarterback in place now. I think DJU is reminding people why he was so sought after as a recruit. I think the more comfortable he gets, the better he's going to play. I just think he fits that team really well, man. They're just really, really good top to bottom offense and defense. I like how that team is constructed. So, yeah, I'm going to roll with the Beavers. I like them. And, and, And look, this is a real win. If they go in to Pullman and win this ball game, dude, Watch out for the Beavers, man. They're going to give some people some problems. That Pac-12 is going to be a lot of fun all year. going to be a lot of rank-on-rank matchups. I think it's going to be tooth and nail to the bitter end for who, who wins that title. But, yeah, I'm going to take the Beavers in this one. All right, man, the next one is game of the week, right? The one everybody's been pointing to. Ohio State heading to South Bend to play the Irish. Ohio State is a two-and-a-half-point road favorite i saw an article this week in the athletic that notre dame has been making efforts on the ticket side to prevent there being a red out in the stadium based off of heavily what happened when the dogs invaded south bend in 2017 so uh, they're trying to do a green out in the stadium listen to what they're doing homie 
they're putting these LED bracelets on everybody's seats and they have it configured a certain way. And then they're going to do a light show with the bracelets within the stadium with the green lights. How sick is that going to be? Oh, that's cool. That's cool. Dude, really cool. Cool idea. And they've also done a bunch of different variables to try to split up Ohio State fans that may get into the stadium. So regardless, man, it's going to be an awesome atmosphere. Like I've said this so many times, but I will keep saying it. If you ever get the chance to go to South Bend for a Notre Dame football weekend, regardless of whether your team is participating in the game, go. The answer is yes, just go. It'll be outstanding. I think it's one of the better pilgrimages in all of sports, not just college football, but all of sports. Uh, and I am fired up about this game, man, because our boy Sam Hartman is going to have a national stage. Um, and, yeah, it's just going to be a lot of fun, I think. So what do you think about this? What's your feelings on this? How do you think things are going to go on Saturday night? I don't really understand all the love that Ohio State's got the last couple of weeks after the – really poor performance against Indiana because the, I mean, who'd they play Youngstown state? And I can't remember who the other team was, but why all of a sudden that everybody just forgot how they looked week one. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, they look better against worse competition, which they're supposed to, they they've done what they're supposed to, but they haven't to me. They just, they haven't done enough. And so it's like, you know, the dogs are catching flack for what they've looked like the first half of every game. But why isn't Ohio State? And it's like, I can't remember who said it, but someone was saying that if Michigan, um, if Ohio State looked how Michigan did in the first half against Bowling Green, that Ohio State would never hear the end of it. Well, Ohio State did look like that against Indiana, and no one's talking about it. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I, that's really a moot point, in my opinion. I. Notre Dame's look good. Yeah. Like just top to bottom has looked good, has mm-hmm. looked dominant on both sides of the ball in every game they played. And it's at home. I don't understand why Ohio State's favored in this game. So unless they're expecting them to just all of a sudden click and turn it on and it to be the Ohio State of old. I, I don't understand this number. I'm going with Notre Dame, and I think Notre Dame wins the game outright. I think Notre Dame's a better football team. Same, man. I, I echo all of that. I It is Notre Dame, Notre Dame, Notre Dame. All day for me. I love this game. I think the Irish, it's national stage. Dude, I, I'm pretty sure it's game days there, right? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, dude, national stage, it's a platform for them. I think Sam Hartman is going to play outstanding. And to your point, man, they're playing good everywhere else too. Their defense has looked great. They're running the football. They have a very clear identity. It seems like they know who they are. Also, man, they have fallen in rank and file behind Sam Hartman. You can tell this team plays for him. Dude, all those things are hard to measure, right? But they matter. And you can see it and feel it if you watch teams play. Notre Dame's got it, man. I I think they win this ball game and put themselves then in the conversation that, hey, we are here and we are coming for to crash the CFP party. So, yeah, man, I love the Irish this game. I cannot wait to watch this football game on Saturday night. I think it's going to be awesome. Um, to your point, man, I, I, don't, I don't get all the Ohio State hype, right? Like, 
I think there was so much juice about them almost beating Georgia last year. And then are we just forgetting that their best player isn't even on the team anymore? Like, I just, it seems like a, a convenient detail that gets left out of their narrative for this year. And from what we've seen thus far, I don't know, man. They just, they ain't it for me. So, yeah, I love, love the Irish in this game. So, wake up the echoes, baby. All right, man. Last game on the docket. I know exactly where you're going with this. There's not much to break down here. The talent is heavily, heavily slanted one way. But the Blazers at UAB are coming between the hedges for the second time in three years. Sam Hunt's alma mater, by the way. And, uh, yeah, the dogs are 41.5-point favorites between the hedges. Just give it to me, brother. Tell me that you're riding with the Dragons. Well, I have gotten both of these wrong so far this year. So... I went what I went Georgia first, then I went UT Martin, or what I, I went I don't remember. I've gotten both of them wrong with these big spreads because Georgia didn't cover one and Georgia did cover one. So and I think I went the dogs. I, I think I went the took the points both times. So I, I'm going to take the points again. I just, I hate these games. I, I do, and I think Kirby's going to be the same way. He doesn't want to embarrass anybody. And I mean Georgia. Yeah. Pro, I think Georgia wouldn't have covered um, the second one, but they got the pick six. So, um, yeah, so I, I'm, I'm going to take the points. I, you know, Georgia should win this one fairly handedly. We should see all three quarterbacks. It should be a blowout and, you know, we should be able to hopefully, you know, comfortably watch the, the Notre Dame Ohio state game and not have to stress at all about our game. That that's my hope. Yeah. I, I, and I'll be honest with you. I, and I say this as benignly as possible. I think this number is more a commentary on UAB than it is on Georgia. I just do. Yeah. UAB is not a good football team. Um, and I think the dogs could very easily cover this if there's a special teams touchdown or a defensive touchdown. But I'm just saying, brother, with what I've seen with my eyes through the first quarter, we are not an explosive football team offensively right now. That's just, that's just real. That's the facts. And so we are not scoring quick touchdowns. We're not putting points on the board quickly. And so it's just hard for me to believe that we are going to be, you know, six touchdowns better than another team by game's end. I just don't see it. I don't think the game's long enough. With the way the clock rules are now, with the possessions that you get, I just I don't see it, homie. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, the dogs will win big. And I don't know if UAB scores a point, to be honest. I think this could be a shutout. But – I don't think they're scoring 42 points more. I just, I don't know. The big numbers, man, I loathe them. Loathe, loathe, loathe them. Because it's so hard to forecast. So many things have to go right. But yeah, I don't see it. I think this is more of like a 41 nothing or, you know, 45-7 or something in that line. So yeah, dogs win big, but I think the Blazers get a cover for us. So that's it. Well... I can't wait, man. I mean, it's the weather's getting a little crisper. We got games that are going to matter with what happens in the postseason this weekend. I mean, it is here, homie. We are right in it, knee deep, and I am so jacked up about it. So, uh, yeah, man, I am fired up to uh, to watch everything, fired up to see how it all plays out. Hopefully we both go – well, I guess we can't both go 10-0. and We don't have all the same picks. Hopefully I go 10-0 and because I need to make up some ground. You are whipping my behind. This year. <laughs> so I need to hey, make up some ground. Hey, it's about time. It's about time. Hey, hey it doesn't matter. You're going to come back and beat me like you do every year. So, but hey, I'll, I'll take the early lead. I need it. 
I always give myself the first month to try and figure it out, get a feel for the team. You know your boy's a personality picker. I pick on team personalities. So I got to figure out who they are, what they're going to do, who they're going to be. I'm figuring it out. I'm figuring out who my people are going to be. So we'll get there. All right, brother. Well, we are uh, the dogs are fixing to be 4-0 after this weekend. Not to put the, the hay in the barn, but we're going to put the hay in the barn. They're fixing to be 4-0. And we got a hellacious weekend of college football. It's going to be awesome. So, uh, yeah, man. Go dogs. Go dogs. Hey, George is better now.